another episode of Tatum Talks with Kelvin Tatum. I'm Ian Brannan, and we're here to chat largely in this episode about the Speedway Grand Prix series, which gets underway at the end of April in Croatia. But uh, another packed programme of fixtures ahead and some changes to the lineup as well. And joining me is Kelvin Tatum, the voice of uh, the commentary of, uh, of Grand Prix Speedway, but also British Speedway as well. And first of all, Kelvin, we'll start where we left off because our previous episode, if people haven't heard that yet, or maybe they have seen it, you were previewing the British Premiership season and already uh, I'm looking down some of your predictions here and I'm going to be asking for the lottery numbers very soon because you said Christoph Kasperzak could, could <laughs> would, he, would he be consistent or would he be all or nothing your hunch was he'll be all or nothing and well his scorecard reads 2-0 and 15 so <laughs> I think we can take that one off as a, as a win sure uh, it, yeah Kasperzak obviously he's a uh... He's one of those guys who's mercurial, but uh, highly talented. But it doesn't surprise me at all, those first three meetings. And Bellevue, I think you were going to be chatting about Bellevue, about their middle order, maybe? Yes, um, when we said uh, Bellevue, you said you were unsure about their middle order. Some riders need to step up to the plate. And actually, actual fact, maybe the surprise has been Dan Bewley's taken a bit of time to get his engines fully in tune. He's, he's running on new engines for the UK that are not not the same bikes. People are saying, how come he can ride like this in Poland, but not like this in Britain? Because they're different engines and different bikes. That's as simple as that. So he's still got to get things uh, nailed there. And, and the other point, of course, was Peterborough. You asked, can they rely on Nicky Pedersen? Will he be there uh, come the end of the season? Uh, he wasn't there come the end of the first race. <laughs> I know, that that is quite uh, quite disappointing and, and quite surprising. I, I You know... Um, the reasons that Nicky gave for actually withdrawing from British Speedway, he would have known prior to even signing the contract. So um, I know that uh, Nicky, I'm sure, came in with all the best of intentions to do a fine job for the Peterborough Panthers. But um, I think uh, within less than half a lap, I think when he found himself upside down and feeling a bit uncomfortable up against the safety fence at the showground, uh, clearly he's reflected on that. Uh, and that's desperately disappointing, and it's quite a kick in the teeth for the Panthers at such an early stage. But uh, they're going to have to recover, you know, after such a disappointing season last year. Rob Lyon and the management there are going to have to find somebody to replace him. But uh, far from ideal, that Ian, actually. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, the fans at, uh, for the Panthers are, uh, well, I would say disappointed. And I think that's probably underplaying it. And the problem now for Peterborough is um, finding a number one, that there are no number ones available because they're all tied up. The, the best riders are all tied up somewhere. Uh, the ones that maybe could do it that aren't riding in this country are tied up in the Grand Prix or have got international commitments. And it, it, it's logistically not, not very easy to find a rider of the same quality. I mean, there's maybe one name being rumoured at the moment. Maybe Mate Zagar is, is, is one rider who we might talk about shortly because he's going to be riding in the, the Croatian GP as, uh, as a wild card. Maybe he might be in the market for some, for some laps. He's maybe the one rider of that quality that, that might fit the bill and potentially be available. Well, yeah, absolutely. He's an obvious choice because he, he has plenty of British experience. He's an experienced campaigner himself. I believe he's 40 years of age now, but very fit, still keen to do a good job. I think he would be a decent replacement in, in, in some regard, maybe a better replacement because he's been riding in Britain recently. He rode well for Bellevue, of course, um, uh, last year in their championship campaign. So, um, yeah, they need that. 
Uh, there's no doubt about the Panthers need it. The fans want it. They'll demand it, having had Dad's Army win the championship and then you're know, going from heroes to zero last year. Um, they need to, and there'll be a lot of pressure on the management to uh, move quickly now to um, sign somebody that can uh, just calm the nerves of everybody around there because there'll be a lot of doom and gloom about that decision. So um, uh, fingers crossed that they can, uh, they can get a decent signing in. Okay, Kelvin, the million-dollar question, the question that's been asked most online about this British Speedway season is this. When does the Eurosport coverage start? That is it. You're, you're the man that can answer this. <laughs> I believe I am, yes. Um, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'll be quite um, uh, forthright about it. I'm disappointed that uh, Eurosport haven't made this more public. Um, but we will be starting on May the 22nd at Leicester against Sheffield. Um, it's late, um, surprisingly late, but um, uh, once we do start, Ian, we will be three weeks on, one week off. There will be continuity. I think the, uh, the thinking behind this late start was the fact that we were going to try and not to have too many breaks, you know, have a couple, then almost a month without a league match. So we're looking to have three weeks on, one week off, and try and finish the season by the end of September. Uh, weather permitting, of course. But uh, May the 22nd, people, that's the date. And hopefully we won't let you down. Yeah, weather permitting is always the thing. And that has been a, a hazard with the British Speedway season so far. But Leicester versus Sheffield, the first fixture on Eurosport May 22nd. You heard it from Kelvin himself, but you'll be on the TV before that because 29th of April, the Grand Prix season gets underway and you'll be packing your bags soon enough, Kelvin, for a trip to Croatia. Yeah, off to uh, Zagreb um, at the end of next week. Looking forward to it. It was where it all started last year, of course, after not being there for a decade. Um, it ended up being a really good Grand Prix. Nice venue, not a big venue, a small venue, but um, uh, a, a neat and tidy place. Track performed well. Smarslik got his uh, campaign off to a flying start. So looking forward to going back um, and excited about the 2023 campaign. Um, uh, it's, um, uh, it seems an age ago that it was all um, wrapped up in Torren last year, but um, uh, as I say... Um, not too much longer to go. Less than two weeks now before we uh, we get the championship, the SGP campaign underway. And um, another packed calendar, of course, um, for British viewers. Uh, then uh, got to wait until September this time. Second uh, of September, the date at Cardiff. But otherwise, uh, a very familiar looking lineup. And in and among later in the season, we'll have the Speedway World Cup as well at, at Roslav. So there's lots to look forward to uh, out and about through the course of this season. But we're going to focus on the Speedway Grand Prix this time. I'm sure we'll talk about the the World Cup in more detail nearer the time. Um, looking at the lineup, a very very familiar look to it um, and some of the riders that are coming back in are, are riders that have got uh, experience in the Grand Prix series um, I don't think anybody's got any major complaints about the wild cards that were thought of uh, for, for this year as well but starting with the man that everybody's got to beat I think Bartosz Schmarschlik three-time world champion now he wants to break the all-time record uh, over the course of his career of course he's not going to do that just yet but um, 
He's really the man to beat, isn't he? He was so much faster than everybody else last season. Uh, if anybody's seen him in action pre-season, he's, he's, he's not been unbeaten, but not far off it. Certainly performed when he's uh, been required. And he started off his extra league uh, life with, uh, with Lublin at uh, the weekend with a 15-point maximum. So he certainly looks like, if anything, from what I've seen of Smashlick early season, he looks like he's even faster, which is bad news for the rest of the lineup. Well, I can't disagree with you, Ian. I think that um, uh, he's come out, you know, firing on all cylinders. There's no question that uh, his preparations for this season must have gone very smoothly. He's changed clubs. That was a huge decision. You know, he's a Gorgeoff boy. Um, it was his boyhood club. It was a massive decision. Quite a shock, I think, to the Speedway world that he moved away from Gorgeoff. He's gone to Lublin, which are clearly very ambitious and um, are looking strong. They've got two world champions actually in their team. Of course, they've got uh, Matthias Sieniak in there, the under-21, or the SGP2 world champion as well. So, But Schmarslik, I mean, he is looking ominous. And it's almost like that, that performance at the weekend, and It's like he's thrown down the gauntlet. He's come out firing on all cylinders and he's looking red hot. Um, I think last year's campaign must have been strange because Artem Laguta, the world champion, was not in it because obviously we know why. He was the red-hot favourite. He had... Everybody was just saying, oh, he's going to do it. And I think mentally, I think it sort of... I don't... I think it may have just unsettled him a little bit because he was kind of flat. He was just doing enough until Bewley won two GPs. But Schmarslick coming into 23, he, he has to be the man to beat. Has to be. And it's really the question, the big million-dollar question, is not so much who's going to win the Speedway Grand Prix series, I think, in 2023. It's who's going to stop Schmarschlick. I think that's the big thing because, obviously, he's by far the favourite. But who's going to be number two and number three sort of chasing after behind him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Leon Madsen, world number two, he has... Uh, we'll hear from Leon um, from the press uh, launch uh, in Wrocław recently, but there's no doubt uh, that Leon will fancy his chances. He has uh, a lot of self-confidence. Um, if Leon is fit, he's fast. Uh, whether he's good enough to beat Bartosz Schmarslik, I'm not sure about that. I think Schmarslik is a slightly better rider. Um, but Leon, as I say, has incredible speed at times, which can, you know, uh, when he only got beaten by two points previously when Bartosz Schmarslik just pipped him, that season uh, he was just stunningly quick. If he can recapture that, then, then he'll go very close. Um, I think Ty Wolfenden, Ian. Ty Wolfenden is a rider that clearly knows how to do it. He's done it three times. Um, it's been quiet. Hasn't won a Grand Prix since 2018. Um, upset at the, at the end of last year. And we'll go on, but it's made some significant changes. He is one that I believe um, will be stronger this year. And so far, early season suggests that he's in good form. After that, it's difficult. I think, for me, Freddie Lindgren is an understated guy. He's a rider that is, no question, capable of being in the top three. And if Freddie is healthy this year, he's had long COVID. If he's shaken that off, then I would expect Freddie to be very consistent. Maybe Jason Doyle also, if he can recapture the 2017 form. 
Well, let's have a listen to uh, what a few of those riders have had to say and, and, and pick through it. And we'll start with Leon Madsen. Um, this was the press launch, which was held at Roslav a couple of weeks ago. Um, the riders were uh, brought out and um, journalists, both present and uh, remotely, were, were asking questions. So in some of these clips, you'll hear the journalist ask the questions. Some you won't. Um, here is Leon Madsen, though. He was asked about... Um, what he's going to bring to the Grand Prix this year and um, his plans to challenge Bartosz Schmarschlik and, and be Schmarschlik's biggest opponent uh, in 2023. And like I said, you know, the, there's a lot of good guys in the GP that's the 15 best in the world and uh, they are all here for a reason. And uh, that's because they are, they are very good. And um, so I really can't, you can't focus on everybody else. Uh, you have to focus on yourself, and uh, that's what I'm doing. And uh, like I said, also we at the moment the preseason is going very well. We feel good. We feel confident. And for the first time in a in a long time, I trust in my equipment <clears throat> and in my team. Mm. So going into the first round with a good confidence um, compared to last season, it feels uh, very good. Okay, so Leon Madsen there, confident as ever, and he feels that he can be Bartosz Schmarschlik's greatest opponent this year. And and we know he's got the, we know he's got the talent and he's he's got the capability, but perhaps sometimes consistency has maybe been his biggest enemy. Yeah, I think the the year when he came really close. Obviously, he's world number two uh, in twenty twenty two, but he's been world number two before, um, and he only went down by two points that year. And he had some stunning performances. You know, he went through the card you know, on more than one occasion. If he can recapture that speed, I think it's 2019, that's off the top of my head. Um, and he's had some injury issues. It sounds from, you know, what he's talking there when he was talking there on the audio that he's fit. And that is important. He's had back issues that certainly have been um, difficult for him. Um, yeah, he, he, he will have his highlights. My, my feelings about Leon Madsen, if you give him... Fast, slick, perfectly prepared tracks. He's a winner. He is a winner. He's proven winner. When the tracks maybe like Tetro last year, if you get some difficult conditions, it's rough, it's bumpy. I think Bartosz Schmarslik has the advantage. I think he's a slightly better all-round motorcycle rider. But as I say, there's no guarantees of either of those things happening. But I do know that if Leon's fit... And that the um, the tie up with Brian Carger uh, that he had at the end of last year, and that keeps developing. Then, uh, as I say, he is he's a, he's a very good package, and he's looking. He's in his thirties. He's experienced. There's no reason why he can't go very close. And of course, he won the European Championship last year. He's a winner. He knows how to do it. So, um, and that confidence is well founded because he, it's not. It comes from a place where he he, he has won Grand Prix. He's got close. So. Yeah, I'm expecting a strong campaign from him. Let's talk about um, Ty Wolfenden now as well, because obviously he's not had uh, a perfect season in the last couple of years in in the Grand Prix. Um, certainly struggled to live up to to, the, to his highs of, of winning the three world titles that he's got to his name so far. This year feels like a different year. I know speaking to some Polish journalists and uh, they've seen him in action there already. 
they feel that actually he's back, you know, and he's 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 made some big changes. We're going to hear from him in a sec, but these changes, he's set his stall out from the back end of last year, and the plan is to to get right back to the top again. And and certainly in Poland, they feel that that Ty Wuffenden could be the the biggest challenger for Schmarschlik. Let's hear Wuffy himself now talking about those changes that he's made for this year. You know, from September last year, we started to make some changes. So we we sold the house in Poland. We moved out. We we mixed up the team a little bit. Got rid of a few uh, a few staff that I wasn't happy with. Um, bit of riding in Australia. Signed a contract in Sweden. So I'm racing an extra day in the week. So. Uh, from September last year, every day, every minute, every hour has been focused on this year and I'm ready to get into it. Uh, look, my, the last few years for me have been tough because I've come off the back of three huge injuries. Uh, it all started in 2019 when I broke my back and my shoulder blade. Uh, then the year after, I broke my foot twice and finished with a broken hand, had an operation with uh, two KYs in my uh, in my metatarsis in my hand. Um and then the year after, I was having a good season, good start to the season, everything like normal, and then uh, crashed uh, in Grujons and smashed all the ligaments in my shoulder, which took me about a month and a half to, to get right. So um, well, then I crashed at Manchester and broke my femur and my, my tibia. Um, so uh, the last year, the, pre- the previous years have been, been tough from that aspect and not being on the bike all the time. But um, as far as like knowing if you're going to have a good year, as long as you're fit, healthy, you got good good nutrition, good hydration, and your engines are fast. Like that's all it is, man. Like it's and like for me personally, like I know what I'm capable of. I know that I can be top three in the world every year. Um, last year was was tough because I started the season with one engine tuner and then changed engine tuner. So there was a whole six month period of rocking up to a Grand Prix and riding a brand new engine and trying to figure it out on the night because I didn't have time to test. So. Um, we're way ahead of all that stuff now. That's all. We've had a full year of testing. I know what I want from the engine. My engine tuner knows what I want, what I'm looking for. Um, we've done a lot of research and development this year on the bikes. So I've got a third of the stuff that we've been testing. And uh, yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm excited, man. Like I'm really looking forward to this year. Um, there's a lot of people who have been talking shit about me and um, I'm ready to prove them all wrong. So Ty Wolfenden there, and, and he also mentioned um, in that really that he really he moved over to Poland to make life sort of easier for himself there, I think. But I think he's now rethought thought about that, and actually he's missed the the home life, the familiarity of of, of living in a certainly an English speaking country. Were his words? Yeah, and uh, there's no doubt that family life obviously suffered. Um, without going into too much detail. You know, it's not just Ty, he's got, um, you know, a family, he's got children. And uh, I think that um, if you've got a happy, settled family life, then that, that, that can help you mentally. And clearly that's something that Ty has, um, Ty has decided that they need. Going back to Australia, I think will be of great benefit to all of them. Ty grew up in Australia uh, and loves it there. And I'm sure once he retires, he'll move back permanently but um, I think a few months with his son on his back away from it all being able to just reflect on it they are fundamental changes to the way you live your life so these are significant and at times actions speak louder than words and that's encouraging certainly from a British perspective he's a proven winner he has three world championships Um, if he's not uh, if he stays out of trouble doesn't get hurt um, and he's keen then, uh, as I say, I've seen Ty Wolfenden do extraordinary things. 
and he's every bit as good as Bartosz Schmarzlik. He's every bit as good as Bartosz Schmarzlik. And it's very interesting that uh, the Poles believe that he is the main man to challenge Bartosz Schmarzlik from his uh, early season form. I hope that's right, because nothing will give me greater pleasure, Ian, to be uh, shouting and hollering about uh, Ty winning Grand Prix again, because he hasn't won since 2018. It's long overdue, and I'm sure he's very keen to rectify that. And as you mentioned as well, though, you know, those injuries have, have set him back. You know, he's had some quite big injuries that whilst the bone may heal, everything else that, that allows you to race the bike hasn't healed. And sometimes you need surgery to put that right. And you have that surgery. It takes a little while for things to, to fully get back to full strength, doesn't it? And now he, he feels like he's, um, he's fully fit, which is something he's not been probably able to say for, for quite a while. And that's a, a big difference performing at the top level as he is. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You know, he had that... Um Grigory Laguta ran him off the track uh, and broke his back. You know, that was a nasty one. Obviously, previously to that, he had his shoulder issues. He's had plenty of injuries. For a guider that rides the bike so well, he's been unlucky. You know, I think Smarslik's been fortunate. You know, he hasn't been hurt. Um, but um, Ty fully fits, refocused, happy family, back in the UK. Um, clearly, there's a, a hunger in him. You know, he saw Dan Bewley win Cardiff last year. He hasn't won there. He saw Dan Bewley win in Wrocław, which is Ty's home club as well in Poland. He hasn't won there. I think that might just have sparked something in him. And as I say, for the Grand Prix campaign, for everybody, if you've got a highly motivated Ty Wolfenden in there strutting his stuff like we know he can, like he did in 13, 15 and 18, then it's going to spice this World Championship up big time. And there have been questions about um, whether, you know, his focus on uh, Speedway, because Ty's been busy doing lots of stuff. He's been talking about boxing matches. He's been DJing in nightclubs. He's got a, a, a single uh, available for people to download. He's, he's really spreading that, um, he, he, you know, he's, he's branching out in different areas. And so as a result of that, there have been questions about his um, commitment to Speedway and how important actually it is to him at this stage in life. And we'll have a listen to this. Music, boxing or Speedway, what is Ty Wolfing? and the greatest love today. Do you still have a motivation to fight for a fourth uh, world title? Tell me your opinion. Do you think I would be sat here right now if I didn't want to be world champion? What's your opinion on that? Of course I want to be world champion. Of course I love Speedway. My life is the sport. Everything I know. But I have a platform that I can use to do other things. Make other money. Do other stuff. Have fun with stuff. So I'm living my life to the way that I want to live it. I think you can consider that uh, that question answered there, Kelv. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, obviously, that just touched a nerve there, didn't it? Um, quite clearly, he um, he didn't really appreciate that. Um, yeah, he, he he's a maverick. You know, he's not uh, your, your typical world champion. He's not Bartosz Smarzlik. Smarzlik lives and breathes Speedway. I don't know what his hobbies are. He might play golf. He might just spend time with his family. I don't know, but... No question that, that, that Ty doesn't fit the normal mould. I remember when he, he turned up at the Speedway World Cup in Manchester in a three-piece suite, uh, three-piece suite, three-piece suit. Um, you know, I haven't seen the Speedway <laughs> That would have been something. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen many Speedway riders turn up in a suit to go racing. Well, probably, I think probably since the 50s. But um, 
No, so he is he is uh, slightly unusual, but I think aside from all of that, I think if he finds the right balance with all of his outside um, uh, interests, and as I say, what he said there in that audio, he's made some big decisions, and there's no doubting his talent. It's proven. If he re if he can get close to that again, then he'll be in the championship chase. While we're on the subject of Wolfie, let's talk about the other Brits uh, in the lineup as well, because not forgetting, we have now, for the first time in I don't know how long, um, three British riders who have you know really got a chance, because Dan Bewley and Robert Lambert both finished inside the, the, the top six as well. Um, tremendous position for British Speedway to be in, to, to have three top riders now that we know have got a chance of fighting, and not just taking part in the Grand Prix series, but you know, a serious contenders for winning individual rounds and maybe getting somewhere in the overall title race as well. Um, Robert Lambert, first of all, uh, obviously he's got his way into the, the Grand Prix as a result of winning the European Championships, but of course has qualified on merit since then and seems to be, you know, kicking on year on year, which is what it's all about. Yeah, it is. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's coming along very nicely and uh, particularly at the back end of last season, he... He really did look like he was going to manage to win a Grand Prix. His consistency was um, impressive, and there's no doubt that he's a hugely talented rider. Um, and he's 25 years of age now. He's maturing nicely. I think that um, I think the next step for him is to replicate what uh, Dan Bewley did last year by winning a Grand Prix. I think once you win a Grand Prix, you then clearly you have the belief. And I'm expecting a really strong season from Robert Lambert. Highly talented rider. He's at the right age. He's fit. He's focused. Uh, I'm expecting big things. I'm excited about all three. And I think Robert Lambert finishing fifth in the world last year. I think he's gained a lot from that. And I would say that he comes into... He'll go into Croatia at the end of next week. I think he'll be excited about it. He won't be feeling intimidated. I think at the beginning of last year's campaign, he was a bit... I sensed he was a bit tight on the bike. He was a bit conservative, and at the end of the year, he sort of, um, uh, sort of like wrestled those shackles off and started really expressing himself on the track. And I don't see any reason why he can't start like he finished last year. And if he does, then he'll be right in the thick of it. And also uh, Dan Bewley, Hello? who found himself in the regular Grand Prix series at fairly short notice um, with. <laughs> <laughs> um, this Cumbrian guy, uh, and uh, he's uh, found himself in in the mix at in the the what happened with the Russians in you know, Safutinov and Laguta found themselves out, and um, it was Jack Holder, of course, the other one, and uh, and and Dan Bewley found themselves with that call very short notice. <laughs> You're in the Grand Prix series. They were the 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 reserves for for the series, the first two reserves. So um, not shouldn't be an entire surprise, but. You know, to be in the full series like that um, and then to deliver what he delivered, winning a couple of Grand Prix, including winning Cardiff, of course, which, you know, in itself a, a huge achievement for, for any rider. But for, 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 for Dan, he's, you know, lived the dream of what many British riders aim at. You know, Ty Woffenden has tried and tried and he's never cracked the, the, the Cardiff nut yet. Only two riders have uh, in Chris Harris and, and Dan Bewley and... You know, it, 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 going in there without that fear, really, and, and just enjoying the experience. Yeah, he did. They had no, everything to gain and nothing to lose. They were the two substitute riders, Holder and Bewley. Bewley clearly had a fabulous campaign. Um, just ran out of steam at the end. 
I think after winning the two Grand Prix, I think the focus on him was just extraordinary. You know, he really was the story of the Grand Prix. Schmarslick was going along fairly comfortably. Um, Bewley then upped his game and won two back-to-back Grand Prix. Schmarslick then turned it on. But for Bewley himself, I think it was extraordinary. I think you are, there's no doubt that he has a fantastic amount of natural ability. He's um, he's a great guy. I, I remember talking to um, Steve Lawson uh, fairly recently about the day after he won in Cardiff, he was riding motocross. He stopped on the way home at a motocross track and was just out practicing on motocross. You know, the guy just loves being on motorbikes, you know, and he's just got that great um, uh, enthusiasm to ride. Um, if he can retain that, I think it's a question that people will ask. If he can retain that sort of happy-go-lucky attitude with um, not too much pressure getting on him, then he'll have another strong campaign. He started slowly in England, but as you said at the top of this podcast, that there's been some new engines that maybe need just uh, tweaking a bit. Performances over last weekend in Pardubica and in the Extra Liga were strong, good performances. So I don't have any qualms about him. I think he'll be a strong contender. He, he's, he's such a fast rider, Ian. Look at the qualifying times. You know, he didn't seem to be even trying and he just used to get right at the top of qualifying. He has a natural ability, a feel on the bike where he can just allow it to, to run fast. So, yeah, I'm excited about all three. It's, um, it's as you said, as you rightly say, it's exciting times for a British Speedway with three genuine world-class riders in the lineup. It was pretty cool, but at the same time, I just um, you know, tried to move on. Um, I went motocross in the next day, you know, I celebrated that night. But, um, you know, we had the Swedish League on Tuesday and then back in Poland on the weekend. So, you know, that's the way, you know, we, we don't have much time to, to take it in. You know, we've got to get back to work. So uh, it was cool, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of interest in England, but, um, you know, we've got to quickly move on. Yeah, that was him talking about, you know, keeping cool after winning uh, the Grand Prix. As you mentioned there, going off motocrossing and, and got on with the job. And, uh, you know, this, it's a good attitude to have as well, isn't it? We, we, you know, many riders say that sometimes the pressure you can mount on you if, if, if you if you let it. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've seen that time and time again. You know, the pressures of being in the Grand Prix uh, can be relentless. And uh, particularly if it's not going well. Uh, and then the flip side of that, of course, when you have such a huge success, you know, I've got to remind ourselves that that final in Cardiff was his first final. You know, he managed to make on his home Grand Prix, he gets in the final the first time, boom, wins it. Incredible. Um, just a sensational performance. And then comes out the very next Grand Prix, scrapes in the semi-finals, and guess what? Boom wins again so you know this was like just staggering and just just um uh, just shocked the speedway world at the time so um he does seem to have a character in him that is um and he seems very determined to keep things on a uh, a level that he can enjoy it and i think if he manages to do that then i think that um dan Bewley is a future world champion um Speaking of world champions, Jason Doyle is one such rider who perhaps, uh, in his own words, as we'll hear in just a sec, has, has found the pressure of being the man to beat 
sometimes something that weighs you down a little bit. Here he is talking about the biggest changes that he's experienced since his debut. He first came into the Grand Prix Series in 2015, had a couple of good years and, of course, won it in 2017, but then since then found life a little bit harder. Here he is doily talking about that. I've had many changes uh, the last, uh, what is that, seven years and eight years now in the Grand Prix. Uh, I think... The, the speedway, it's such a sim- simple sport, but we've complicated it the last couple of years. So I think when I first come into the Grand Prix, um, you don't have any uh, ex- expectations. The, the pressure is only coming from yourself. So I guess when you, when you win a world title, then you've got your, um, your doubters and also you then have to keep up to being that uh, top rider. So the last few years, I've really struggled with... Uh, trying to be that number one rider. And I think the biggest thing was I just try to keep chasing speed and, and different engine tuners. So I'm going back to basics now. So my biggest changes are um, our engines. So I guess that's what, yeah, what it is. Yeah, and he's, he's got a new engine tuner now uh, that he's been using, I think, since the back end of last year. And he also said uh, further to that that he's sticking with the same engine tuner come what may through the season. Yeah, I, I think that's wise. I, I think that sometimes when you chop and change throughout the year, it's very difficult. Um, you're always having to, you know, get used to something slightly different with different characteristics. You never can't, you can't maybe trust the way the bike's going to react when you go to the start line. And when you keep bolting in different engines, you know, the, con- the, you know, the continuity of going from track to track and understanding and being completely at one with your bike is not there. So I think that that makes sound sense to me. I think Jason Doyle has worked extremely hard. You know, he come, he just came up short on the Australian title, didn't he? You know, he won three rounds and Jack Holder just pipped him to the title, but clearly rode well, mm. uh, did a lot of pre-season testing. He's riding well again in the, for Ipswich, which is... Um, he's got a new club in Poland. He's going to be a busy guy. He's a, he's a, he's a grafter, is uh, Jason Doyle, not work shy at all. Um, so I just hope that he can, what he was saying there on the audio, that he can do it because he's a tremendously exciting rider. He's a proven, he's a world champion. And so, um, I'd like to think that, you know, it was almost like in recent years, uh, Ian, he's been trying too hard, just been trying too hard. And I think if he can just relax a bit and like take the pressure off himself a bit, I think we may well see, um, the best of him once again. Of course, he's not alone with a company from Australia as well, with uh, Jack Holder and and Max Frick also uh, representing uh, the Aussies in the the Grand Prix series. And both of those riders have have got something to to prove as well, I think. You know, Jack Holder looking to to kick on from from last year. Max Frick, I think in his own uh, words, you know, looking for a bit more consistency from from his season as well but again two very quick riders who on their day are capable of at least getting on podiums yeah well frick won a grand prix he won in the narodovi and also i mean it was an incredible performance from from uh frick and i think everybody including himself i'm pretty sure thought he would kick on from there unfortunately in the grand prix series it actually um was a little disappointing in the end um he just couldn't recapture that sort of spark he had in Poland on that wonderful night. Um, he was uh, he was pretty solid in the Speedway of Nations alongside Jack Holder. Um, excuse me. Get rid of that. Um, but 
There's no doubt that Frick is a is a, uh, is a terrifically talented rider, and I think if he can just find a way of being able to have the motivation and focus to ride at that high level on a more regular basis, then he'll have a good campaign. Um, I think the same is 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 the same is applies to Jack Holder. I think he, another um, he was outstanding in the Speedway of Nations final for Australia. He was their leader. And uh, there's no doubt that um, if he can uh, find that sort of form in the Grand Prix on a regular basis, then he will be um, certainly a top, top six runner. I think he needs to just take that next step where he can get into a final or two and really start proving himself at the GP level. But um, the Speedway of Nations performance suggests to me that he's got the, uh, he's got the ability and he's got the talent to to be able to have a good campaign. You know, good start. Get off to a good start in Croatia and that will settle him down nicely, I think. Um, who else have we got then? Uh, let's talk about Kim Nielsen. Uh, here's a rider that you know um, very well, Kelvin, because um, I'm sure, as you mentioned, you, you, you managed him at, at Lakeside when he, when he rode in, in British Speedway. He got through the GP Challenge, which was at Glasgow yeah. back last when uh, August, I think it was. Uh, well, here he is talking about um, heading into the Grand Prix. To progress as much as possible uh, during the year. I think it's a lot to learn, but also uh, I think I can progress with all with that, you know, as a rider and as a person. So, uh, yeah, I see it possible to to grow as a person and rider through the year and uh, uh, become something really good at the end of the year. So that's his uh, aims, really, to, to just grow and progress. No pressure on Kim Nielsen. Comes in uh, into the into the Grand Prix as as a regular, and um, it's well, it's up to him now, isn't it? He can make a real impression and, and try and get himself into that top six, which of course will be very difficult. But if you don't do that, at least put on a good show and give yourself a chance of a wild card for the following year. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Kim's a really intelligent lad. Um, he's been a slow burner, you know, he's uh, probably around early 30s now. He's been on the periphery of Grand Prix, he's been a wild card previously on two or three occasions. Um, he's shown glimpses of being able to compete at the very highest level. There's no doubt that the people were not talking about him as a Grand Prix qualifier going to Glasgow last year. I don't think that a lot of people mentioned his name um, and he surprised everybody by putting on a fantastic display up there in Scotland and to cruise through to being a uh, permanent um, uh, Grand Prix rider in 23. So Kim Nielsen, what I will say is that it's going to be tough. I think uh, riding at that higher level on a regular basis is the biggest thing that he's, the biggest challenge he's going to find. It's harder than riding at league level mentally. That's the biggest challenge. And Kim will have to raise his game every fortnight or whenever they come. And if he can get off to a reasonable start and get some points on the board and not allow the Grand Prix to get on top of him, to where he's dreading the Grand Prix rather than looking forward to them, then I think he will have a good, a good campaign. Um, you know, we looked at Oliver Burnson, you know, the Grand Prix when he was in it, it got it got on top of him. You could see it. It was a long, almost torturous season for him, and you felt for him in the end. Um, I don't want that to happen to Kim Nielsen because I like him. He's a good bloke. Um, but the fact of the matter is, 
is that he is an older guy. He's you know he's an, he's a grown up. He's an he's a mature man. So I'd like to think that he'll um, uh, be aware of the challenges ahead. But um, until you experience it, it's it's not easy. But I think that uh, he he's a slow burner, and if he can find um, he can drop that clutch at the right time, and he, he he doesn't have any pressure on himself. He doesn't put too much pressure on himself. Then I wish him all the very best. Tell us about that mindset, the difference between regular league racing and a big world event. Obviously, the the Grand Prix series was sort of after your era in, in, in World Speedway. It was, it was the one-off world finals, but you found yourself in world finals, Kelv. What, what's the difference to those occasions in the, in the mindset? Because you're up against the very best there is. All the eyes are on you. You've probably got a bigger crowd than you're used to riding in front of at many of these occasions as well. What What is that, that difference between you know, a regular league meeting and, and apart from it being obviously a special occasion, but when it comes to the mindset of, of moving into that uh, match. Well, you're racing for the ultimate prize. And as I say, you've just, you know, you've pointed out that there are bigger, bigger crowds, there are bigger occasions, um, the best riders in the world everywhere. When you look at the programme, um, uh, you might not want to look at it too, too long because every race looks very hard. Um, it's managing mentally to be able to keep it on um, a level where it doesn't grow too big in your mind and it overwhelms you. You need to be able to relish the challenge of a world championship and not feel that it's going to, you're daunted by it. And that is tough, particularly when things aren't going well. Um, as I say, I mentioned it with Kim Nielsen. I think it applies to all the riders coming into the Grand Prix about you know, even with an experienced rider like Jason Doyle, I think at times he's felt that the Grand Prix's just sort of got on top of him and it's weighed heavy on his shoulders. And I think keeping it light, keeping it, keeping a sense of balance with it and perspective with it is hugely important. And then being able to perform in those environments, Ian, then becomes hugely satisfying. It becomes so rewarding. And if you leave a Grand Prix having won or done well, I mean, the, the boost in you, how the, that sort of um, good feel factor is, is huge and you need to feed off that as much as you can. Uh, let's have a look at uh, the couple of riders then that we haven't touched on so far. Uh, Anders Thompson uh, was, was going great guns um, up until, he, of course, he sustained a serious injury which really put paid to his season. But quite a, a fun character as well you know we need characters in speedway sometimes speedway riders are you know dubbed as too serious and too boring but if you're celebrating winning a grand prix riding around in your underpants i mean surely that's old school isn't it kelv oh absolutely yeah um uh, it's barry briggs back at plough lane riding around with nothing on just a <laughs> pair of boots and a helmet um, uh, <laughs> it was proper. It was a proper moment. I was surprised, actually, in this corporate world we live in now, that he got away with it. But uh, it was uh, it was extraordinary scenes, and clearly he was overjoyed with the win in Gorjov, and uh, he fully deserved it. Nasty injury, really nasty injury. Uh, saw him in Voyans, um, and he was struggling, but he's back. If he's fully healed mentally, if he can get over that and get some confidence in, I think the beginning of the season for him will be very important. The Grand Prix campaign, very important for him to be able to get off to a decent start and build uh, back from such a nasty break. I know I broke my thigh quite badly in my career and it took me a little while to get that real confidence back on track, to overtake, to really push it. Um, uh, he looks supremely fit, very dedicated. 
you're right, he's quite a character. He's a smiley, happy chap, he is, and he's got a very engaging sort of character. So um, he's a plus for the Grand Prix series. So um, I'm sure he's done everything he possibly can to be in great shape for the end of next week. And uh, I'm sure that Nicky Pedersen, the Danish team manager, will be uh, hoping that his uh, Anders Thompson is uh, is firing on all cylinders uh, in Croatia. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, a couple of other riders we haven't touched on really, but just uh, worth just a, a, a quick word, I suppose. Um, Matze Janowski, uh, another pole, of course, um, working been working very hard with Red Bull. Who have, he's been to their training camp for their elite sportsman. He, he's learnt a lot about his body, and uh, so he's more scientific about his approach this year. Uh, Patrick Dudek, of course, uh, another rider who was close on a medal this last year and just fell slightly short, and another rider who, again, has, has got the potential to do it. Consistency may be the thing, but a um, couple of names not to rule out. Absolutely not. You know, Dudek and uh, Matze Janowski could well be part of the Speedway World Cup team for Poland, who will be red-hot favourites for that in Wrocław. But there's no doubt that um, Matze Janowski is a supremely gifted rider. You know, he has led the World Championship on more than one occasion. He's won Grand Prix on a regular basis, but comes up short. I think there's uh, mentally a lack of belief at times. I think he just sort of runs out of belief and can go through some disappointing grounds. I hope that maybe going to the Red Bull um, uh, facilities that they can have maybe pinpointed a way of being able to deal with that better because there's no doubt, Ian, that he has the ability to win a world championship. He had everything in his corner last year. He had Greg Hancock with him. He had a super team. But it just doesn't... There seems to be something slightly lacking at times. And I think it's upstairs. I think it's just... He gets to a point where maybe he just doubts himself. If he can overcome that, then he'll push hard for a championship because he's as fast as, as Smarzlik. Uh, Patrick Dudek, is a, he, I, I like Patrick. He's such a strange guy, diminutive. I remember I spoke to him in Prague last year and it was really funny. We were just having lunch after um, the qualifying and I said, hey, get it on. Oh, Speedway. Oh, it's so hard. I have so many problems with my bikes. I don't know what to do. It's so different now. And then he went to probably the most challenging track we saw last year in Tetero, which was like a bombsite because the track hadn't been used for two years. And he won. And from then, it was like, wow, where did that come from? So, uh, <laughs> you know, Patrick is a, is, a, is, a, is a character. And as I say, both him and Matzai Janowski, you can't discount quality riders, very highly talented. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them once again in Croatia, definitely. I'm looking down the list of riders. I think we've talked about all of them, bar two. And uh, one would be Mikkel Mikkelsen. We've, we've not mentioned him yet. And the other would be Martin Vasilik, um, who is back in the, the lineup once again. And he, he really can't um, put his finger on why 2022 was so good. But frankly, he's riding relaxed again enjoying his speedway and, and again looking to, to kick on through the course of the uh, the campaign coming up in 2023 um, Martin Vasilik yeah injury injury cost him didn't it um, missed a Grand Prix won a Grand Prix uh, if you can stay out of trouble like Martin Vasilik very professional super nice guy uh, on his night he can beat anybody fantastic starter if he hits the front supremely fast gotta stay out of trouble 
um, with the experience he's got, he knows what it takes. He can raise his game. Mikkel Mickelson, European champion, a uh, couple of times, beginning to get better. Can make the odd mistake. Um, also had some injury problems last year. If he stays out of trouble, I can see Mickelson along with Madsen having a really good campaign. He's fast, very fit, focused. Um, and then the one person we haven't really spoken about enough, actually, and we've got to talk about is Freddie Lindgren. Freddie Lindgren has had two really difficult years. Understated rider. Um, he's had long COVID. He had to take a break from racing last year. Um, felt for Freddie. He did, I think nobody really fully appreciates how hard it's been for him to compete over the last two years. Great to see him in the UK early season doing some testimonial and some open meetings. That suggests to me, Ian, that he's fully, maybe he's just shaken this COVID business off. If he's fit, healthy, Freddie Lindgren is going to be a guy that could potentially be in the top three in the World Championship again. He knows how to win, supremely fit guy. And uh, as I say, uh, after two difficult years, you don't know, that might just give him um, a springboard to really kick on. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. But uh, all in all, I, I'd like to think that we've, um, we've looked at the Grand Prix. And it, 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 if we've got guys firing on all cylinders at times, I think we could be in for a, a really good, really good season. Yeah, on the subject of Freddie Lindgren, I think he only ended up riding one or two meetings in the end. He had a packed calendar, but the weather put paid to a lot of it. Um, I did see him race, though, in Sam Masters' testimonial at Wolves. And, you know, it, it took him maybe a, a heat or so to get uh, to get things under control. But once he got it nailed, he, he was away. Um, he's also been working on his, his mental empowerment. Uh, it's something he's been uh, spending a lot of time doing in, in Sweden. Uh, and um, here he is talking about that and how he thinks it's going to help him. I've been working with, uh, with a new person, and uh, uh, the main focus for me is uh, to to feel good, uh, uh, really. Uh, and it's not really uh, working in the mental aspect; it's more to work with your emotions, which is something totally different and and uh, and new. So it's uh, it's not very easy. It's, uh, it takes a lot of work, and. Um, doing a lot of training with this so but so far the decision has been really good uh, the outcome has been very good and uh, now i'm going to continue to work with uh, with this guy for for a longer period of time and uh, hopefully it will continue to be good for me so we know that he's supremely fit physically, but he's working on his uh, on his mental fitness and, and getting his head state right which you know that's that's a big part of speedway isn't it kelvin oh it's huge you know, when you look at the time differences between winning and losing in a, in a speedway race, which is a, approximately one minute in time, I mean, fine margins, Ian, very fine margins. So, yeah, any any way of being able to to maximise your potential has got to be looked upon. I think that um, sports psychology is something that um, a, a, a sport like golf actually embraced a long time ago. Uh, and I think that other sports and other sportsmen... Certainly in my era, I think we almost frowned upon it. It almost seemed like it was a weakness. Actually, now I think it's becoming much more accepted. And I think as long as you find the right partnership, it's a bit like a, a rider with his engine tuner. If you find that chemistry between the two people working and they can really bounce off each other, I think that that could provide some really positive results. Time will tell and we will 
watch with interest to see how Freddie um, comes back out this year. But for me, I'm I'm interested in that. But for me, more importantly, I think the fact is if, if he's if he's healthy, I think that's uh, that's to me the most important issue for him. Yeah, certainly sounds like he's he's back to uh, full fitness. So certainly he, he said that when. Uh, we were with him in, uh, in, in Wolverhampton for for the Sam Masters testimonial, and he, he certainly looked fit as well. So, uh, looking forward to to seeing him in business. So, this is the calendar then. Twenty uh, ninth of April, Croatia in round one. Round two will be in Warsaw in Poland, May the thirteenth. Prague is on the third of June for round three. Round four back at Tetrov in uh, Germany for uh, June tenth. 24th of June, Gorzhov, round five. Melilla in Sweden is uh, the 15th of July. That's round six. Round seven in Riga, Latvia, on the 12th of August. Uh, British Grand Prix at Cardiff, 2nd of September for round eight. And then just uh, round nine after that in Voyens, Denmark, 16th of September. And then it all ends on the 30th of September in Torren in round 10. Well, that's the final round. It may be sorted before then. We don't know, but a uh, great place for uh, things to wrap up. So that's the Speedway Grand Prix series. And uh, Kelvin will be bringing you that uh, excitement um, wherever you are, I think, on the world feed, um, certainly uh, on, on Discovery Plus, uh, Eurosport in the UK as well, and um, many other outlets around the world. Yeah, absolutely. You can tap into the Speedway Grand Prix in many different ways now, far more than I can understand, to be perfectly honest, being rather an analogue sort of guy. But there's no doubt that um, uh, you can uh, certainly tap into it. And uh, it's, uh, it's one of those... Uh, you know, and I think the championship, after you know, I, there's no doubt losing two of the top three in the world for 2022 was a blow, and it was nobody's fault apart from Mr. Putin's. But now I think it's settled down. I'm chuffed to bits that Laguta and Saifutinov are racing again in the leagues. That's smashing. They got their jobs back. That's good to see. But uh, this campaign, this lineup, I think has the potential to be a really strong campaign, and I'm excited for it. And uh, as I say, can't wait to get out to Croatia in a couple of weeks to um, start waxing lyrical about something I, I genuinely enjoy. Absolutely. Bring it on. We're looking forward to, uh, to, to seeing you back on the telly very, very soon. Um, during the course of, of recording our chat today, there is some breaking news from the world of Speedway. So just to get your take on this. And um, the news is that... Uh, Basically, Wolves are going to be raiding, r- racing their last season. Monmore is um, being, well, the Greyhounds at Monmore are well, turfing them out, basically. There's uh, a new um, Greyhound Racing League coming in, which is going to be on six nights a week. And so Speedway is uh, being served notice at Monmore Stadium. Uh, and obviously, um, at this moment in time, there's there's no further information other than that. But obviously, Monmore been a, a huge uh, venue for for Speedway, hosting some of the biggest events, and um, this will be the final season. Well, that that's desperate news. Um, I'm, you know, we've lost quite a few tracks in recent years, particularly in the southeast. Um, there's no doubt that Monmore Green has been a stalwart. It's been a strong club with Chris Van Stratton and Pete Adams. <clears throat> well, Pete Adams actually got it going again in about 1984. Um, and Van Stratton has been there since then. Um, so yeah, I, I'm surprised that we haven't heard any whispers about that. Um, I'm not sure, I certainly haven't heard anything about that leading up to it. 
Um, so yeah, I, I just hope that the club can be relocated. I know it will be very difficult, very difficult to do so. But um, my immediate reaction to that, Ian, is I'm, I'm desperately disappointed for all concerned. There's no doubt that the fans there, there's a strong following for Monmore. They've held British Championships. They've had riders like Ermelenko there, a world champion, Peter Carlson, Freddie Lindgren, Ty Wolfenden. You know, they've had a rich history. They've won titles. They've got a legendary team manager in Pete Adams. Uh, that's desperately sad news, that is. Really sad. And also news as well that it looks like Peterborough are into their final season as well, as certainly as things stand with um, threat of development in, uh, at, the, at the showground as well. So looking here at this moment in time of, of two premiership clubs, two former title-winning clubs as well, hmm. um, going by the wayside at the end of this season. Yeah, and, and that will put, um, which is disappointing, absolutely. But circumstances, and we're a small country, we have a lot of people here, um, redevelopment, circumstances changing, Speedway is not as strong as it once was. It doesn't generate the, the income for landlords that it might have done before. The showground is obvious, you know, like the showground. I mean, the houses get closer every year. Um, but... Um, I can only assume that the BSPL and the BSP and the, um, the two leagues are going to have to look very closely at either amalgamating or um, there's got to be a way of enticing other teams back in. Poole is obviously an obvious one. Glasgow, another one. You know, strong teams in the championship that may need to come in to replace um, teams that we lose. Um, so not ideal, far from ideal. But um, British Speedway, you know... It always astounds me. <laughs> it has lots of disappointments and it seems to sort of drift along at times, but it's uh, unbelievably resilient, unbelievably resilient. You know, look at the riders that were actually signed to ride in this year. You know, you've got Ipswich Witches with Jason Doyle and Saifutinov in it, you know, um, and it's Max Frick is here, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, Dan Bewley back in the league. It's far from all doom and gloom, but losing clubs is, is obviously quite clearly a serious concern. And it comes down to not really um, owning the stadiums, doesn't it? And these clubs that are finding life harder, the ones that are tenants, that now it seems there's a new Premier League of Greyhound Racing. Greyhound Racing's had some serious investment from elsewhere in the world uh, and... Of course, for the Greyhounds, as Speedway would do, the, if it was the boot was on the other foot, is saying, "Yeah, we want to be part of this big Premier League. We want to do more Greyhound racing. See you later, Speedway. We don't need you anymore." And so it's the clubs that own their own tracks. There are the only ones that are really in charge of their destiny, and and it's not an easy thing to sort out. Obviously, Workington are a club who have have built their own track. Glasgow own their own. Redcar own own their own. But while ever tracks are at the whim of other. Uh, landlords, if you like, it, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? And, and unpredictable. Yeah, and, you know, circumstances change quite quickly. And it's, you know, there aren't that many. Kings Lynn, obviously, is privately owned. Um, and you've got to say that, you know, um, Speedway has been in these older stadia for a long time. There's, you know, a shift with the, the investment into Greyhound Racing, which I was unaware of, actually. I must say, I, I don't follow Greyhound Racing. It doesn't interest me. But the fact is, is that it, it certainly has had a major impact at Monmore Green uh, and a negative one for, for the Speedway team. So um, it'll be very interesting. I'll watch that closely to see if there is any opportunities for them to move to another stadium. 
of the race elsewhere, but it would suggest to me that there's going to have to be some work, hard work done, um, to actually entice teams into the Premiership out of the Championship. We shall wait and see. But um, yeah, the, the landscape is moving, ever changing, and um, Speedway is not quite as strong on the ground as it once was. So um, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed we don't lose any more. Okay, well, um, been great speaking with you once again, Kelvin, and uh, we'll catch up again very soon. I'm sure once uh, the Grand Prix gets up and running, you'll be on your adventures very soon to Croatia, and then it's uh, then it's Warsaw, and great to have the season back for you. I'm sure packing your bags and heading off once again. Yeah, it's been a long wait actually. You know, I've been quite envious of you, Ian, because you've been involved. You've had uh, you've had some shale under your shoes, haven't you? <laughs> And um, uh, I haven't been involved yeah, yet. Six, yeah, six meetings in now. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you're, you're almost burnt out by the time I, I turn up. Um, but uh, no, it's, uh, it's unusual to be starting <laughs> quite this late. But um, no, I'm sure once we get up and running, it'll be, it'll be good. And in some ways, I haven't envied you in actual fact, because it's been pretty grotty the weather through March. That's for sure. Um, but um, uh, let's hope that we have a good campaign. And um, yes, people will hear from us through the year um, at certain points, uh, opportunities when we've got plenty to say. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to it all. Good stuff. Watch this space. Thanks a lot, Kelvin. And uh, don't forget, check out previous episodes, the uh, British Speedway uh, preview. And you can see if Kelvin's uh, uh, prophecies are coming true uh, at various points through the course of the season. Uh, that's the previous episode to this. And we've also had a chat with Dan Bewley last season after his win at Cardiff as well. So uh, look out for those uh, previous episodes and uh, like and subscribe the podcast for more. And we'll be back with another episode very soon. But subscribe and you won't miss it when it arrives. 